Hi, welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions. This is episode 125. I'm Catherine Bird, and I am so excited to be here with Michelle Hawk. We've taken a big hiatus for the summer, and we're finally back with some new episodes for you. And in this episode, we are going to talk about toxic ascension culture. And if you have been exposed to the spiritual communities out there, and you probably have, or you wouldn't be here, uh, you probably know a little bit about what we're talking about, but we really want to get into this, this specific subset of our spiritual communities. Hi, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kat. So good to be back here with you. Thanks, everybody, for your patience as we've been taking the summer off to work on a lot of other projects. So here we are. We're back. Yeah. Oi. So yeah, toxic ascension culture. Cat, like we were having a conversation about this recently, which is how this topic came up as being on the list for us to talk about. And I'm I'm wondering what's what's on your heart as we're delving into this cuz like we had a pretty interesting chat the other day that led us to talk about this. Well, I think, so this is my lived experience of this, where I will be involved in something or at an event or having a conversation with someone or reading something on, you know, social media. And I am at, at the exact same moment experiencing, yes, that's true. And yes, I understand that. And yes, maybe that's even the way that I work in some way. And yes, that's right. And also, wow, I just... I feel weird and gross and like this doesn't fully resonate with who I am and where I'm at, even though it's true or I have those, some of those same beliefs. And it's such a strange experience inside my body to be having those two pieces at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally get it. I, you know, I, I have kind of a similar sensation, which I, you know, and, and in our conversation the other day, we were talking about how, you know, hearing somebody talk about like a very well-meaning, well-intentioned person talk about, you know, ascension and the quantum field or the fifth dimension or whatever, like from some people I can hear that and have like a, yeah, I get that response. And then some people I hear them say that and it's like, a you know, some sort of really yucky response. And I, I was trying to figure out what the difference is. And, uh, and I made the best or like why I have that response from some people and, and not from others. So, it, you know, Kat and I have conversations about not actually, you know what, we actually don't really have a lot of conversations about ascending to the fifth dimension. Like, I don't know if we've ever had that conversation. So uh, she's, sh yeah, shaking her head. No. Um, and, you know, it's, something about that just feels very, I think the part that rubs me so the wrong way is that the people that I have that reaction to, I see or I perceive as using that as an escape or avoidance mechanism to not be present with some of the more uncomfortable aspects of being on an earth walk. And, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I think really bugs me about it. Yeah. I think that for us, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull you into my sphere here as far as sure. being animistic, shamanistic, earth medicine practitioners, that this idea around ascending away from the physical and the elemental 
the animal, the, the aspects that are really connected to the earth plane, it just doesn't hold a huge uh, excitement for me, actually. Uh, I mean, I'm even of, of the, the internal experience when people are like, I just never want to come back here again. I want to, I want to, uh, you know, become so awakened that I can transcend to another place and never have to have earth again. When I think of that, I actually don't really feel that way. I, I think, oh, like whenever I come to earth, it, that feels so good. I love it here. Mm -hmm. I love it here so much. And there's so much pain and suffering and confusion and overwhelming intensity in this, in this experience. And I'm okay with that in some way. And yet at the same time, a huge part of my purpose is the evolution of consciousness and to mm -hmm. transcend, to help people transcend their personal suffering and pain and uh, illnesses and things that are keeping them from realizing their true God, goddess, divine, true nature and identity. Yeah. So I'm hosting both of those things at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you are a bridger of worlds, really. And so thank you for doing that in this case as well. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think um, I haven't really heard anyone describe it from the perspective of, gosh, I really don't want to incarnate again. But I've heard people use the perspective around, um, you know, like there's many different languages or d uh, different like lexicon around this of like, you know, creating the golden dawn, um, which is, you know, a, an alchemical term and uh, among some of these other societies around transmutation and creating heaven on earth heaven on earth and earth as heaven. And these are, again, things that I, I do buy into, but the thing where people kind of lose me in that is when they're all, when they're talking about it as though it's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective and, and my opinions and, and my teachings, you know, from my teachers that I've received and also from the, the transmissions that I've received in direct connection with the divine guides is this is, it this living temple planet gaia is heaven on earth and earth as heaven we're already here and yeah. it's not you know any ascension isn't about going somewhere else it's about deepening into love ever more it when with ever more presence and it's about creating and devoting to beauty and to truth and to sovereignty and to deeply respecting life itself and letting the garden of eden be reborn and reactualized through our earth itself through gaia herself and so then the whole idea of like well where do you think we're actually going when you talk about going to the fifth dimension like it's it's not somewhere else it's right. here it's it's this right. what you're describing yeah. a lot of people would go well that's it right that's it yes. but yet when we hear people talk about it that doesn't sound like what they're, what they're saying. It, it sounds like almost uh, a little bit of the, the Armageddon uh, fetish that a lot of evangelical Christians have of, oh, well, we need to create this situation so Jesus will come back and, and you know, mm -hmm. this and this and this are going to happen. Uh, where we're now going to live in this, you know, they, they call it this this time of peace, which 
interestingly arises out of the destruction of most of the humans on the planet, actually. So mm -hmm. it's a very strange relationship that I think that Western people have to what is this transcending, ascending, arising away from the lived experience of the earth. I think one of the mm -hmm. things I have trouble with is that there becomes just, just in, in the same as this Armageddon fantasy, there is a big us and them. Because some of us who are these lucky, privileged people who have been uh, lucky enough to be exposed to meditation and yoga and sound bowls and, you know, whatever else we've been exposed to, somehow we of this privileged class are going to ascend away from those that just, they just didn't, they just didn't get the download. Mm -hmm. And so within that, that just feels very like plucking the privileged out of this huge, huge population of humans that are on this planet. Yeah. It's like a new age version of the rapture. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. If you're, if you're holy enough and if you have prayed and you have devoted your life to, to whatever cleansing and purification or prayer it has been deemed worthy, then you get to have the rapture where you get to ascend to heaven, et cetera, and all the other poor schmucks don't. So right. yeah, you're already starting to get into this, but my next thought around this is like, okay, well, so why is this harmful? Because we're calling this episode toxic ascension culture. You know, I, I really, and let me, let me be clear, you know, Kat, with what you're prefacing of like, yeah, I get that. And in some senses I do buy into that. Same with me. I, I do get it. I get why people are talking about ascension, the evolution of consciousness mm -hmm. coming into our highest vibration, into our most divine selves and walking as, as divine embodied beings here in this earth walk. I totally get it. And I'm yes, on board I'm with sure that. that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. Awesome. All of that. Yes, please. And also, again, it's, there's the light side of that. And there's the shadow side of that. There's actually some potentially really harmful or really, um, really dangerous ideas that we're starting to get into as to the toxic aspects of that. So let's, let's keep going. You were talking about the, um, the us privileged few. Yeah. The us and them, that would definitely be one, one piece of the, because the toxic part. Because I think that's toxic for both of those groups of people where it's like, if now I, I am hosting this identity that now I'm the super spiritual person and I'm above all of these people, then in some ways it causes me not to engage with them, to not engage with the suffering of humanity, to not care about what's going on with other people, um, to separate myself and to project onto other people a lot of stuff. But then it also is becomes this thing where if someone is not experiencing bliss and hyper happiness all the time, which is sort of the projection of this culture, that they're doing something wrong or there's something faulty and broken in them and they're going to be left behind. They're mm -hmm. not going to make the fifth dimensional leap. They're not going to hit the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these these fun like lexicon of words around this, right? Um, they're they're not going to catch the spaceship, but the 
you know, this other piece that you're, that is kind of tangential to what you're talking about is seeing this, this almost like, oh, poor you feeling like, oh, I'm so much better than you. You're not going to make it like pat on the head toward these people is that then if someone is buying into this toxic ascension culture, if something were to come up in their own life where they're experiencing real loss or they're forced with, you know, to confront difficult conversations or they're, uh, you know, something's happening in their lives that is uncomfortable, they're not going to have a healthy and grounded context to be able to relate to that in a conscientious way. They might not be able to have difficult conversations with loved ones. They might not be able to set effective boundaries that are flexible and, and semi-permeable, right? It might just be someone I uh, disagree with is challenging me. Like my my partner wants me to you know, contribute financially to our life together. But, you know, she's there, they, he, she, they, they are perceiving, or I'm perceiving that as them keeping me from my higher purpose. So I'm just gonna, you know, dump them and, you know, continue to live out of my van, whatever. And I'm making like very unfair generalizations here. <laughs> like, that's not a, not a true of everyone. And yet it's, it's the, like, the, the assignment of this is good, meaning I get to ascend, this is bad, meaning it, it stays behind, it creates a total inability to engage with anything that is that someone is assigning as to be not totally of the light and love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think then it also opens up this opportunity for people to feel like that bad things shouldn't happen to them that there shouldn't be pain and grief and loss in this life. And that happens. And so then it can set people up to have a different experience of that or to separate themselves from their spiritual community when they're struggling, when they actually need to be asking for help and support. Mm. And so I think that that could be really a, a place where, where people are, are challenged. And I think the other piece is that because of this privilege piece around it, it also seems to be tied in sometimes to financial abundance. Like mm -hmm. if you can access the 11th dimension, then you will be accessing the infinite universal abundance of all. And then you will be pulling that through your system and you will be accessing abundance. And so we have so linked up this idea around abundance and this, this spiritual financial link that I think it can be really detrimental to people because stuff happens. You know, there are mm -hmm. highly, highly, highly spiritual people, spiritual beings who are currently living in war zones. Mm hmm on this planet. And in this way, it's, it's almost like, well, what are you going to say? There's no highly spiritual beings in a war zone right now because they're experiencing really horrible stuff at this very moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're, I think that's a really, because we're in a stable environment. Yeah. That's a really important piece of like, what are the 3d circumstances of your life look like? And, you know, for all of the law of attraction evangelists out there saying, you're not manifesting hard enough. That's why your life sucks. Okay. Like, 
yes, we, you know, we're, it's, it's the yes and thing with all of this. Yes, our vibrations corresponding to our thoughts, word, actions, etc. And also shit happens. So, you know, I, I really, I want to link in also a piece that we're, that is kind of tangential to what we're talking about is the implications of this on our relationship to service and social justice. Because for people, you know, there's also this toxic piece that I see and Kat, you were, you were kind of alluding to this around, um, you know, a certain amount of entitlement and selfishness that comes with relating to Ascension culture as this thing that I do for myself that I have to earn and I have to be pure enough and I have to make sure that I'm okay and I have to cut out any negative influences that might keep me from, from being in the most high vibration. Well, how does that help you help other people? It doesn't. How does that make you accessible to... Uh, you know, to our loved ones who might be suffering or to being available to support a friend who's having a hard time or to take a stand and take action or, or to even just express an opinion about a social justice matter or about these global conflicts that we're seeing. It's somehow like, oh, I'm not going to mar my vibration by acknowledging that there are armed conflicts and war zones happening all over the world. Like that's somehow makes me less less pure, less holy, less enlightened to acknowledge the existence of conflict and suffering. And, and I think that's really sad, honestly. Yeah. And I think it opens up the, um, like a separation, an internal separation, a separation mm -hmm. of self, which is the opposite of where we want to go in healing work, where we want to have all of our parts and everything coming into wholeness and acceptance and love and compassion and understanding for every part of self. And I think in some ways that being able to move out into the world and have that for everyone else at the same time. But if you have to separate yourself, if you have to separate your empathy or your uh, your anger sometimes from yourself in order to uh, project a, an outward expression of, of hosting this vibration, then that just means that you're denying parts of yourself and not being comfortable with parts of yourself that feel uncomfortable because mm. they're not, you know, whatever, ascending parts. <laughs> Yeah. The ascending parts. Right. Yeah. Then that separation happens internally as well. Right. And that internal yeah. separation then I think over time can lead to perhaps this is what we feel when we feel some of these people and we are like, why does that not resonate exactly where mm -hmm. there's a dissociatedness inside of it? Yeah. That's a really great point is like, why does it make a, why are we cringy about it? You know, cause like I said, there are some people that I can hear that from and be like, okay, I, I buy into that and I, I agree with you. And then some people that I don't. So, so you're saying like, we're feeling their inner incongruence mm. and responding to that. Anything else you want to add about like why, why that might be feeling really cringy? I don't know. I mean, I'm many just, reasons. I'm sort of working it out in my, as we speak, as far as what that is. <laughs> Um, but maybe that is one of the pieces that we're, that we're, that mm -hmm. internal separation and dissociation and the projection of identity mm -hmm. uh, where 
you know, we all know the the strange um, where the the voice gets really high and whispery, and sort of has this sing songy sort of thing that goes on, and. Yeah. And it's sort of like when somebody does a lot of work on their face and you look at them and you're like trying to figure out why that it doesn't match what they're saying. So it's this, um, uh, this change in the vocal tone and inflection that is supposed to fit this identity that sometimes mm -hmm. feels a little bit off-putting, I think for me, kind of, um, mm -hmm. Uh, you'll you'll see this when they make fun of all the the like the trad wife stuff that's out there. Do you know what I'm talking trad about? Wife? The trad no, wife. what's that? So there's I have no idea what you're talking about. Cultural thing around uh, trad wife, which means traditional wife, and it's like a lot of these women that are sort of cosplaying the '50s housewife and teaching their children to behave that way, and it's all about. Uh, following your husbands and doing everything they say and, you know, taking care of the, the kids and the home and, and being in this traditional, this traditional role. And uh, there's a lot of women who are changing their vocal tone, right? To make mm -hmm. it really, really sweet and soft and light and airy and, and juvenile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I call that like you're talking about the high pitched whispery tone. I call that like the guided meditation voice. Right. <laughs> but you just use it right. all the time. <laughs> right, exactly. Imagine you are drifting into a lake of calm. Yeah, but every moment of the day. I mean, if that's your authentic voice, you do you. But right. um, you don't have to behave in any kind of way to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. You can, you can, whatever, you can curse, you can wear regular clothes, you can have a cocktail, you can do what, you can do all kinds of things, normal human stuff, and still be highly spiritual. You know, it's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> I was I was wearing a different shirt earlier and I thought, gosh, I should change because this shirt is too boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I so... changed my shirt. I wear my sweater that had the little pills and everything on it that I just like my everyday sweater. <laughs> yeah, I was wearing my like everyday like wool shirt and I was like, ah, something else might look a little nicer on camera, but we right. can wear sweaters with pills and still be spiritual. <laughs> right. But yeah. you, yeah, you wear normal clothes to go to the dark dog park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wear like, I, I mean, my everyday, like this is a total tangent here, but like my everyday outfit is like, I don't know, like field biologist gym rat goes to a rave like that's what I look like most of the time is <laughs> between yeah, my like very colorful very colorful but all sweat wicking and like industrial strength rubber boots for trekking through the swamp uh, like and like really great raincoat so that is my normal uh yeah. normal outfit and you know I I have things that actually like I really enjoy that I wear when I'm not covered in mud or might get jumped on by a dog but you know I spend a lot of time outside so yeah. there's that
tangent. I mean, tangent. I, 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 I spent some- a lot of time in a, you know, my like biker jacket and, <laughs> you know, like men's button up shirts and weird ties and stuff. So yeah, there's, there is space for all of us, for every part and every, every expression of us inside of being a spiritual human. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to go back to one loss from that sometimes. Yes. <laughs> like I want to I want to start. <laughs> what? Like we just joined a club and now we have to act and behave and dress and do very particular things in order to stay in the club. Oh, right. The spiritual dress code, all white and feathers. And I mean, I love feathers. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Feathers and colors and shawls. Like, and if that's your authentic, awesome expression, great. Um, One other piece that, that I feel like, you know, back to the whole, why does it make us cringe thing? I feel like... People, you know, and and this I think is informed by my shamanic orientation and Kat, I'm looping you in here too of, you know, through shamanic practice and through the, the really like earth-based practices and the animistic practices and even, you know, things like alchemy and some of these other traditions, the, that which is dark or the shadow realm is honored and embraced and we have a healthy context for it. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people like the, a, another aspect of the toxic ascension culture that feels really cringy is people blaming the shadow for being in the dark or putting blame upon not, you know, pain and suffering and people going through difficult experiences or uncomfortable situations and assigning it as bad or wrong because they don't have a relationship with a, a healthy context for things like death and loss and grief and anger and all of the, you know, the dark aspects. And yet in shamanic practice and in alchemy, we have a whole suite of teachings regarding how to be in right relation with the underworld, how to be in right relation with, with suffering and how to, how to pray with, with our ancestors, how to pray with the divine beings, how to form relationships with psychopomp guides so we can connect with the other side in the underworld. And I think that's really, really important. And people who are, who don't have that, who either fear that, which they don't understand, they fear the underworld, they assign it, they make it bad or wrong. They're negating this massively powerful, force that is fundamentally necessary because it is part of this balance of light and dark life and death death and rebirth all all expansion and contraction you cannot have expansion 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 without also having contraction because that is how the laws of the universe work mm-hmm. yeah and i think some you of have this- a video Kat, you have a video about like, you can't just keep opening, right? You can't just keep opening. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It's on my my personal channel. Um, you can't mm-hmm. just keep opening. And uh, that's a really important one. And especially come, looking at, um, at medicine work and how we keep going back to medicine and ceremony over and over again. Um, yep. But I, I think some of this arises, um, you know, this intersection between privilege and white supremacy and spirituality and the uh 
the legacy of Christianity and our having been so involved in Western people for such a long time in Christianity and purity, purity culture, and our transposing that onto spirituality and spiritual practice and divesting ourselves from the totality of self and the totality of, of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think this is where some of this is where some of this comes from and why we engage with it, that why it feels so normal for us to engage with our spirituality in this way, instead of accepting the underworld and the shadow, because there is such a, a long stemming where we've been, it's been beaten into us. It's been terrorized into us about the darkness, the shadow, the devil, the demons, the ugly things, the ugly people, the, the witches and the darkness and the, the things that are disturbing being something that we need to fight against in order to be good enough to get to go to heaven. Right. So I think within this, we get to then really start to look at our past, look at our lineages and look at where we might be bringing some of these thoughts and beliefs that we have about our spiritual practice or what it means to be spiritual or where we're going with our spiritual practice. What the, what's the point of the whole thing? Mm -hmm. um, where we might be projecting from where we came from, what we were, what we were raised with or what our lineages have brought to us. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk about other recommendations for people to look at like their own relationship to evolution of consciousness, ascension culture, etc. Looking at our lineages, looking at our programming. That's great. Yeah. And what like what it means, in? right? The identity parts, right? What yeah. does it mean for you to be a spiritual person? What does it mean to uh, have a spiritual practice? When you have that practice or you're part of a spiritual community, what is the identity mm -hmm. that you're taking on and yeah. why, why do you desire to host that identity? What, mm -hmm. what attachment do you have to that identity as much as uh, anything else? Uh, you know, a lot of times in spiritual practice, we're looking at our identities and looking at uh, different parts of self and looking at things that we've been holding on to that maybe aren't serving us or that aren't us, their social conditioning. But mm -hmm. I think it's important even to deconstruct our spiritual identity. Really go, yeah. oh, what am I getting out of that? Why am I needing that to have that identity? What does that mean to me? And what, what value am I placing on that? Mm -hmm. That's really great. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I want to piggyback on top of that and say, inviting people to look at the way that their spiritual identity manifests in their lives in all of these different areas. So looking at, okay, your spiritual identity and your values of which are X, Y, Z, how does that show up in your relationships? How does your spiritual identity show up in your home? How does your spiritual identity show up in your finances? How does your spiritual identity show up in your work? How does it show up in your 
your service and looking at, okay, are there any disconnects there? Are there any areas that don't make sense? Okay, I say I'm a spiritual person where my values are compassion and integrity and, and love and respect. And yet when I come home from work, I get in a fight with my partner and lock myself in my room and watch Netflix, for example. Okay, so is there a disconnect between totally looking at who... Yeah, right. And, and that doesn't mean that like, okay, you're not a spiritual person. If you get in a fight with your partner, like that's okay. Just looking at, okay, if, if I say that my values are, <laughs> I was not calling you out in that example. By you're totally calling me out. I have to tell the story. So, uh, okay. I completely <laughs> got into this kerfuffle with my partner and it was not a big deal. It was not whatever, but I found myself, I went into my room and I actually turned on Netflix some, and I wasn't even <laughs> watching it. And then I got on my phone and I was like on social media and on Netflix and I turned them both up like really loud, like so that I could just escape my own participation in this thing, right? And soothe myself. And I know that that arises out of my childhood growing up that is fairly emotionally dysregulated home and mm -hmm. being uh, having a lot of access to media for a, uh, what am I, an ex? I'm an ex. So I had, you know, cable TV where there was a, a cord from the the TV that went to a box that had buttons that you pushed. And this button was number channel one, two, three, more. It was a huge box of buttons. Um, very analog situation. But, but I had this access. And so that was a soothing mechanism for me in my childhood. And I will still go back to that soothing mechanism. Mm-hmm. And it's with this though, I do. <laughs> well, but again, I'm using that example as like getting in a fight with your partner when you say your values are compassion and love doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It just means that's an ingrained pathway that then you apply your spiritual values to repair or right. to communication or to whatever, or to, you know, recognizing in yourself, just like here you are um, acknowledging on, on this podcast, like, oh, that's a thing I totally did. I 100% did not mean to call you out on that. No, but as, no. as an example, right, but looking good. at, okay. It's good yeah. because I think one of the pieces around toxic ascension culture is this, mm -hmm. is this projection of the spiritual teacher that, yeah. Uh, that has this idea, idealized version of self, this perfection, mm -hmm. and that is bullshit, you know? Like pedestalizing. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, I did, I did it. I saw myself do it. I saw my, I witnessed, but so this is how you know that you're evolving is that I saw myself do it. I was witnessing it happening in, in real time. I watched my body do it. Like I was witnessing everything about it and what my internal response was inside, what was happening. And then after a while, I was like, this is so silly. What are you doing? <laughs> Good job, Kat. Great, great work. And mm -hmm. I turned it off and I was like, okay. And I went in the other room and I calmly had a conversation and reorganized the experience. Mm -hmm. But I totally went to that space. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm not spiritual. Yeah.
doesn't mean you're not spiritual. So many tools to manage that experience. Right. And this is, you know, back to my, my whole, like looking at how your spiritual identity shows up in all of these areas of your lives, you might have some sort of epiphany or, or reconciliation about like, oh, I say I'm spiritual and yet my garage is like a total mess and I hate going in there and there's so much crap in there and I wonder why I'm stagnant in these areas of my life. For example, all of that to say, just just look, just pay attention, just as a thing to help you figure, figure got, out. We've all got some things, right? Where we're like, yeah. have some pieces of either coping mechanisms or stagnancies mm -hmm. or places that we're like, oh yeah, I still do that. Okay. Totally. I still do that. Um, you know, I have this one, one box full of crap that I, that has been with me for like six years and every, uh, periodically I like go look at it and I open it and I try to problem solve how to get rid of it. And then I get overwhelmed and I stick it back where it was six years. I'm not kidding. And so again, we all have it. We know it's there. Yeah. It's okay. And you know, we have these and you know, these things have been with us since childhood and some of them we inherited, we inherited these pieces that are the coping mechanisms of our existence. So mm -hmm. don't, don't be too hard on yourself, but look at it. Just look at it and laugh at it like I am, right? Like I mm -hmm. hope I'm giving you permission to go, oh yeah, there's where I do that again. And then just laugh at yourself because it is so funny how hard that a human will work to avoid pain or conflict mm -hmm. or something challenging. And that is what this is. This whole episode is about, right? Is that this... It is toxic to us to avoid the harder parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why the, that this whole ascension thing can be toxic to someone. Yeah. So healthy, healthy. <laughs> I don't I don't even want to use the word ascension. Honestly, I just, I want to talk about like evolution of consciousness. Like, yeah. yes, I, I, I am committed to to supporting evolution of consciousness in myself and in all beings on earth. Yes, I am committed to actualizing the highest expression of this living temple of Gaia uh, that is Gaia. And yes, I am committed to bringing about the golden dawn era of radiance and thriving and sovereignty and love according to universal law of, uh, of, of free will. Yes, all of those things. Yeah. Minus the cringy parts. <laughs> um, where were we? I had one more thing before I got on the silly story. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't remember it now. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, this is it. One of the things that we can look at is how are we using our spiritual practice to dissociate? Mm. Right. Or to, because you can use your spiritual practice in the same way that you use Netflix. Totally. And it can be a way of dissociating and distancing yourself from challenging parts and uh, for deluding ourselves. So that's another one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We'll just, oops, we'll just leave that right there and you all can think about that. Awesome. Well, 
Uh, anything else before we close? I think we. Well, I think there's one more piece that just has to be said. Is okay. So mm -hmm. if I if I'm not doing it this way, then what what am I doing? And I think mm -hmm. one of the um, salves 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 one of those words uh, for <laughs> this is embodiment, an embodiment practice and drawing down into yourself and inhabiting yourself fully and being in collaboration with earth energy and drawing energy up from the earth and allowing that nurturing energy to come into your body and uh, grounding yourself and choosing earth, choosing this life, choosing to be present to everything that you are. Beautiful. That's that would be my antidotal. Great. I agree. So with that, um, we, we invite you, if this resonates with you, then please share, please like, comment, subscribe. We're on all the channels. And, uh, and if this is something that you're looking for in your life, if you're looking for support, both Catherine and myself offer one-on-one -on -one mentorship, various courses, et cetera, that you can tune into to learn how to cultivate your embodied, healthy, thriving relationship to your Earthwalk, Ron Gaia, and how to connect with evolution of consciousness that is aligned with your path and works in service to the benefit of all beings. So if you're interested, you can find my website, michellehawk.com, or you can find Catherine at catherinebird.com. And please stay tuned. Kat, is there anything in particular you want to invite people to look at? Um, I don't have anything right this exact moment, but I do have the Healer's mm -hmm. Process book and the Healer's Process Practice Manual that will be out 2024. So awesome. if you are interested in that, I'll probably have a um, uh, some sort of list or something you can join from my site soon, but you can also just join my regular list and uh, reach out, let me know, because that's going to be a really potent educational piece for anyone who's drawn to the path of the healer. Absolutely. I will pre-order many copies. And uh, for those who are interested in alchemy, I did mention alchemy earlier in the context of this conversation. I am uh, taking applications now for the upcoming 2024 cohort of I Am Alchemy, which is a year-long apprenticeship in shamanic alchemy where we learn many different teachings and philosophy of alchemy, as well as practical application of these spiritual technologies of this mystery school. So you can find all of that information on my website, michellehawk.com. Look for the alchemy tab and submit your application. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Kat. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.